Great DJs deserve great music. That's why here at Desi BPM, we're giving professional DJs access to the first ever online DJ pool exclusively for Desi Music. Register your interest now and receive your first three months free at desibpm.com. Yeah, yeah, welcome to the show, it's the number one show, interviews and music, podcast, you know, integrate the culture through the times, just sit back and chill, it's the roots and rhymes, roots and rhymes, roots and rhymes, just sit back and chill, it's the roots and rhymes, all you really need is some roots and rhymes, roots and rhymes, roots and rhymes. So welcome to episode five of the Roots and Rhymes podcast, another week, another episode, but of course, I'm not on my own, unlike last week. But I'm joined by Mac. How you doing, brother? I'm doing good, brother. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. You know, you know, people were actually messaging me and saying, "Why wasn't Mac on the intro? What's the tea?" Yeah, I was, I was, I was like, "No tea." I'll, <laughs> just, I'll, just... I'll tell my mom not to text you anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I appreciate that, bro. <laughs> no, so definitely. Just before we kick off, though, I just want to let people know if they do want the tea, anything roots and rhymes related to follow us on Instagram at Roots and Rhymes. But more importantly, they should subscribe and review on yes. whatever platform you're listening on because then you get push notifications telling you when the new shows are out as well and any information about the shows. So if you enjoy it, please subscribe. Also like us and rate us as well. Really, really important to us. And um, we hope you're enjoying the last four episodes and really, really hope you're going to enjoy today's as well because today's guest, she's full of energy, man. Oh, yeah. It was a pleasure interviewing her. I had such a laugh. As I well. was on a complete hype all the way through because she brings the energy. She brings that good vibe. And trust me, afterwards, I'm like, I'm still buzzing. Yeah, definitely. And you know what? We, we try and keep the episodes to about an hour, uh, give or take, depending on the content, depending on what the um, what the artists are like or any of the, the guys, uh, the guests that are on the show. But this one, it ran like maybe an hour and 20, I think it's going to be. Yeah. But what an episode. You don't, you don't even know where it goes because she's got so much energy. And she has to, to being on the airways that early in the morning. Right. She has to, and she brings it and it's entertaining. It's funny. It's, it's serious. It's just so authentic, so real. And she's just got a great vibe, great energy about her. We can carry on talking about it, but we just got to go for it now, Matt. Let's do it. And rise. So Matt, this week's guest is probably one of the funniest personalities I've had the pleasure of knowing probably about eight to 10 years. Um, we've been mates, friends, um came from the same circles uh in good old yorkshire as well so i say it's nice to have a, a fellow yorkshireian yorkshire woman York, on the show yorkshire person i feel like they should be York, a yorkshire yeah, yeah. national like a yorkshire <laughs> anthem we should be playing before we start this but you know what there one. is a few people that would probably have yorkshire as its own county or, or state and its own rules yeah yeah well I, all the best people come from yorkshire anyway so it's going to be good to have, have this interview going off Definitely. And you know what? I know it's currently 8 p.m. as well, so it's way past our bedtime. <laughs> Definitely way past our bedtime. So this week, it's my pleasure to introduce one of the most energetic personalities. She's conquered radio, and more recently, she's smashing children's TV. Her energy at 7 a.m. leaves you not even needing a cup for coffee in the morning. She has to be one of the hardest working presenters in the media biz. And oh, yeah, she's not a bad dancer either. It's Harps Call. Hey, how you doing, Harps? Welcome, Harps. <laughs> Guys, I think I think that was that was a lot of sweet talk there, man. I'm not that amazing. <laughs> <laughs> We're just buttering you up. 
You're from, you're from, yeah, you should have just said you're from Yorkshire. That's enough. That's enough buttering up. That's just... that. <laughs> At that, but you know what? That was a, that was that was actually quite heartwarming, man. So thank oh. you, thanks for having me as well. No problem. Welcome to the podcast. How are you? Um, good. Um, I think we're all going through our good and bad days. Um, I have been talking about this whole lockdown situation quite a bit, whether it be on my show or on social media. Mm. We all need to stay strong, obviously. You know, we need to keep that energy. But yeah, I'm all right. You know, just trying to get by, do what I can. We, we've got to get through this somehow. Yeah, it is being pricked up. I'm starting to feel the effects of it a little bit as well. I mean, you've got to take them. You've got to take them breaks where you can as well. I mean, work can be a little bit intense when it's when it's when you're just going from one place to another, or for some people's case, just staying at home. So you've taken a yeah. holiday last week, haven't you, from the airwaves? How was that? Yeah. Um, do you know what? It was much needed. Much, yeah. much needed. Um, I understand that you know everyone's field and work is different. Um, but the shift that I work is draining. Mm. Uh, the amount of hours that I put in outside of work is exhausting. I'm constantly sleep deprived. You know, I don't <laughs> sleep much. I'm always on the go. So I think the benefits that I've got out of lockdown is my body's kind of learned to rest a little bit yeah. okay. more than usual. But at the same time, it's been difficult to carry on knowing what we're going through as yeah, well. So I yeah, feel like yeah. I hit rock bottom, you know, and I thought, I thought to myself, look, it's it's all right me telling everyone else to, you know, stay strong and mm. you're all right, take breaks. But I wasn't doing it myself man, yeah. and I really needed to do that. So it did me the world of good to just switch off from everything for a week. You've done a great thing there because I think during this period, it's like being in a marathon. We have to keep going. We don't know where the end line is. And people are kind of forgetting to take breaks because it's like, okay, working from home living at home, then the days become blurred into one and there's no real definition of where one day finishes and one day starts right now. So so important to yeah. take a break. 100%, man. I mean, it's given me a bit of normality at the same time just because my morning routine is the same. So yeah. mm. in that sense, it's all right. Yeah. But I think the minute the minute I leave the studio, obviously my life is just like everyone else right now. It's at a standstill. Yeah. So for me to be on the go, on the go, on the go, and for everything to just stop, it's hit me for six, man. I'm, yeah. I'm not going to lie. Um, but I think like you, you said, know, it's what your body actually needed, but it's, yeah. it's not you for six because it's not what you're used to, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know what? Like, I'm very open about mental health and stuff as well. I just feel like you've really got to look after yourself, you know, and Absolutely. especially going through phases like this. No one's ever been through something like this. I don't think any of us have experienced something where the entire mm. world is going through the same thing. Exactly. But it's so important, man, because I just feel everyone's going to go through these waves. You know, we're going to have good days, but there'll be days where your anxiety is, you know, through the roof and that was happening a lot with me actually over the past mm. few weeks. Uh, it's good to take a break, man. Do it. No. Do it where you can. Good. Take take the time out. You got to look after yourself, yeah. right? Can't get to where you you're getting if you if you're not looking at yourself first. And you're 100%. not looking after yourself. But I, I saw your set on the weekend for the Caliber Live <laughs> on Saturday night. That was good. It was a great set. Enjoy. Thank it. you, man. Thank you, um, DJ. And I'm not I'm not always quick to say yes to. Yeah. Um, the main reason for that is I don't have the time. No. no <laughs> I mean, yeah. because I'm working through stupid hours, the minute someone's like, oh, will you jump on this set, jump at this kick, I'm like, I would, I'll probably destroy myself. Um, <laughs> so, th so the thing is, I'm not I'm not too confident all the time either because I'm not doing it as often. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so it, it takes, takes a bit of time for me to get back into the rhythm. But, 
you know what, Gerbs, Gerbs was a very good friend of mine man, for mm. a good 15 years and I didn't think twice about it. And it was good. It was a good show and uh, I was quite happy with the bet. It was a great <laughs> cause they were doing for as well and they, they earned a, yeah. a really good amount of money as well. So hats off to them. And you, you had Tindy hosting for you as well. So you can't always do both, can you? You, can't, you, you know can't what? DJ and it's a funny, it's, it's a funny story actually. When we turned up, um, the boys were like, uh, so you know you're gonna you're gonna share a few words. You're gonna jump on the mic. Now those that know me, if you see me DJ, I will never jump on the mic. Yeah. And the first thing people said to me is, "But you're a presenter. You're on the radio. Why can't I talk?" <laughs> and I'm like, "Listen, I can't. One thing at a time. Shit cannot do two. <laughs> <laughs> I'm multi talented everywhere else, multi skilled, but I can't. I cannot. Yeah. I cannot DJ a mic at the same time. So I let no, it, it, it is it is tough. And to be honest, you want to. Like you say, if you're not been doing it for ages, you want to just give it your yeah, own focus on that and do a good job at that. And plus, if you've got if friends you get, around that are willing to do it, then it's all good, yeah, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, if you're getting a, a temporary G- DJ like me, mate, it's better <laughs> than somebody else's MC, no, it, I'm honest about that. <laughs> it was a great set. It was a great set. You did really, you. you did really, really good. Enjoyed it. I did. Thank so, CBBC as well. Congratulations. That's a big, big gig. Thank you. Um, it's a dream come true, man. It's it. TV has been on my list for a very long time. Um, kids TV, I never really thought about it until it mad. came to me. Yeah. Um, and the funny thing is, actually, when I when I got asked to do it, my agent was like, so they've said that you're the perfect nutcase for this kind of thing. Wow. And I was like, I don't know if that's a compliment, <laughs> but like, I've never heard anyone say <laughs> that is sick. But, and that is that um, has to be a compliment, man. That is that a compliment. I was I was gonna say you've for children's got, TV. Come on. Yeah, I was gonna say you've got the energy for it. I wasn't gonna go down the nutcase route, but you've definitely got the energy for it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean they're Wicked. lucky I can say that kind of banter, you know. So it's, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, it's 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 amazing, man. It it's changed it's changed my life a lot, I'm not gonna lie. I've learned a lot. Um and I hope it I hope it carries on, man. Unfortunately, due to lockdown, we're in a bit of a at the moment with mm. filming and stuff but yeah, we'll be back absolutely. on it we'll be back on it Rewind. let's take it back know your roots so it's no easy job waking up at 4am five days a week but being at the level that you are now it's always something that you really aspire to right but how early was it when you realised that your future was going to be so heavily involved in music very good question actually um I think Let's talk music first. I'm the kind of person, like, I can't function without it. Yeah. So I feel like my earliest memory of even being around music is, like, the age of one or two. And that's only because I've got loads of baby videos here and there. My mom, you know, showing me, like, all I'm doing is dancing. And it's always to Punjabi music. Obviously, I can't remember what I was doing at the age of one, but when I'm watching it back, I feel like it's been with me since that day. So music I was going to say, you're so energetic. Like, it yeah. has to be there, there from you from such a young age, right? Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think ever since I can remember, like, that's all I've ever done. If I'm bored, even if I'm busy, something's got to be playing in the background, um, you know, in the car, in the shower, in the bedroom. Like, I can't can't function without it so i feel like music has been there from the beginning it it is part of my roots um but i think work-wise like being you know waking up at 4am every day five days a week it's not easy but it was the best thing to happen to me at the same time because i'm so Mm. happy that actually the one thing 
I wanted in my life, even if I didn't, there were times, you know, where I didn't know what I really wanted to do or where I was going to get, um, mm. you know, where I was going to get to, but I always wanted music to be a part of it, no matter yeah. what that job was going to be, no matter what field I was going to fall into. I knew that I couldn't do it unless it had something to do with music. Mm. So I think I'm very lucky. I do feel very grateful that I've fallen into a job that I absolutely love. You know, I, I live and breathe what I do. So, um, having music from the beginning, even up until now at the age of 30, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, can't, I, can't, I can't complain, man. Can't complain. So, like you said, from your earliest memories of being one or two years old or even looking back on, on videos and stuff, you, you were dancing, you were so energetic. Yeah. What kind of music was in your house or what were you listening to? Was it the <clears throat> English stuff, R&B, hip-hop, garage, uh, later yeah. on in your life, or was it Punjabi? What, was, what did you grow up listening to? I, I like I like answering this question mainly because those that know me really well will know that I'm actually an all rounder. But those okay. that don't know me too closely will be shocked sometimes at what I come out with. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't know if that's because of my job, because of what I do. So people always associate me with that one genre, yeah. that one thing. But actually, I first got into Punjabi music when I was probably about five. I remember about five, six years old. Mm. Um, you know, in my house, I'd be hearing Hira and Alap and all the old school bands were getting played, yeah, like yeah, whether yeah. it be on the radio or, you know, just my, my dad or whoever playing it around the house. Mm. But then at the same time, my mum is an absolute Bollywood freak. So no believe way. it or not, I probably know every 90s classic. Yeah. <laughs> and Madhuri Dixit and all that. Yeah, yeah, all yeah. That stuff. I come from the Madhuri, the Juhis, the yeah, Tree, yeah, maybe yeah, like, yeah, yeah. you know, era. So I, I feel like I know every 90s classic. Um, and then I've fallen into an R&B garage hip-hop phase when I hit about 11, 12. Okay. Um, and that's because of my older cousins. We all lived in one big house when I was about 15. So mm. like my thai and I lived in the same house. There was quite a lot of us in one house, basically. Yeah. So I saw him as an older brother, but there's like 10 years difference between us. So the music that he was listening to was constantly getting played in my bedroom or I was yeah. in his bedroom. So then I started vibing to like, you know, Donnell Jones, Jagged Edge, yes. Usher. Like I, I'm into all my 90s R&B. Yeah. Um, and then when I hit uni, things changed again. I got into like the funky house. I went into UK garage. I'm a little bit of a mess everywhere, yeah. but I don't think you could ever go to uni or college or anything like that in Leeds, especially like <laughs> like we all did, and not like funky house or garage because yeah, exactly. it was such a vibe up here. Such a big thing at that time, man. And but not the thing is, not everyone likes everything. Mm. So I find myself sometimes a little bit weird when I'm around my friends or yeah, anyone yeah. else they're like how do you like this and how do you know that and I, but I don't know man it's like I said music is life for me and and I listen to everything I've been well, there I, with I everything. think that's clear that's clear that you listen to everything from <laughs> yeah. your Bollywoods and everything what's great about that is like you get such an appreciation of different styles when you're willing to accept a whole range of genre and especially like the way you describe it how much music means to you I guess you can get like different things from different genres. So like R&B fulfills one kind of need and the Bollywood fulfills another kind of need. And, and it's being open to those experiences, isn't it? Yeah, man, that is such a good way of putting it as well. I feel like every genre that I mentioned, it, it's, you're right. It fits a different, it fits a different mood as well. Yeah. Like your emotion, mm. yeah. like yeah, it, well. it just fits in with the kind of mood that I'm in on that day. 
Mm. Um, like, believe it or not, you know, as much as I love Punjabi music, like, I really, really do. And I feel like I kind of grew into that myself more than my family putting me into it. I just mm. used to hear it around, you know, like on the TV and the radio. But as I got older, I was the one that wanted to look into, like, you know, all the all the noughties from the 2000s, like, yeah, you know, yeah, even yeah. like Gubby Sandu, IDB, all of that. Yeah, yeah. That was just me discovering it myself through college. Mm. But um, but you're right, you take so much from each genre, you, you really, really do. That I'm, I'm kind of kind of thankful that I'm like that you know, meet a lot of people like that. <laughs> yeah it, it's similar to myself and I, I was saying it last week when we were speaking to Manjin. and th- growing up I felt like I discovered Punjabi music myself and I think that was partly down to especially living up north in Yorkshire we didn't have as much exposure to new bands and new music where, where I really listened to Punjabi music was either like you say maybe on the radio or TV a little bit but it's like weddings and stuff like that that's where yeah. you heard the tunes over and over again and that's where you start to become familiar with them but then yeah, only yeah, yeah. as you go older you kind of use the opportunities around you and speaking to people and college and that kind of stuff to to get in with that music and then develop your own love for it but just like you yeah. R&B was that was me definitely your Donald yeah, Joneses your Jagged Edge 112s all that kind of stuff yeah man I'm about all of that but yeah you know just just going back to like college days and discovering music yourself I literally just had this chat with my uh, with a friend of mine last week because I found my old really old school mp3 player yeah, yeah, yeah. and um I used the one to that have you that plug that. into the computer itself you plug into your computer yeah. with like a little usb <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 I um I, I used to give that to all my friends to borrow in their classes they'd want to they'd want to borrow my music yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, oh, I want it for my you know my art class or whatever it was and they used to make a list of the songs that they'd hear on there that they yeah, want yeah. me to give them. <laughs> so you were taking requests? Were, Even back yes. then you were taking requests? <laughs> this is what I mean. I was like, I can't believe it. I wasn't, I wasn't nowhere near a DJ back then, but yeah, man. So, so when did your DJ skills come into play? What, how old were you when you started thinking, okay, I want to <laughs> dabble with this? I know that probably gave you a little yeah. bit of a taster, but when did you kind of think, right, okay, I, I want to jump on a Paradex now. I want to kind of play music to people. Yeah. So, um... The idea came when I was jobless, um, uni time. I think I just graduated. I was probably about twenty-one at this at this point, um, and I thought to myself, like, I've got nothing else to do right now. Mm. I was in that phase where you know you're getting, you're sending your email and your CVs out like every single day, and you're getting rejected left, right, and centre. I was in that yeah. phase at this point. Mm. And I was sat there thinking, how long can I carry on freelancing for and doing these jobs that I really hate doing? Mm. I need to do something. So um, I remember a couple of my friends uh, around me during uni time were DJs. So luckily, I was quite lucky in that sense. A lot of my friends were DJs. So I, I had that access. Learn. Yeah. yeah. Um, it wasn't hard for me to kind of, you know, just hit somebody up and be like, can you teach me how to do this? And that, in that, in that sense, I was quite lucky. But the idea was from just friends around me saying, look, there's not a lot of female DJs, especially not up north. Mm. I, I mean, no. for me growing up, I don't think I ever came across anyone, a female DJ up north that, no. was, that was doing something like this. So I thought, you know what, let's just give it a go, you know, see what comes from it. So I learned, um, I learned how to do it. And then I thought, right, it's scary, but let's just put it out there. If anybody wants to book a female DJ, I'm there. <laughs> you want me? I was really scared, man. Yeah. Because I could never I'd never done anything like that on a on a platform like that. Yeah. So um the minute I did it, I'm I'm not lying, no word of a lie. In the space of a week, let's say, I was getting bookings left, right, and center because I didn't wow. realise 
how much demand there was for a, for a female DJ. And I was doing all yeah. sorts of nights, like, you know, ladies' nights and mm. nights, parties. Yeah. Um, and I, I just didn't realize that, that this would do so well. Mm. But when I did DJ it, there was a bit of an issue with my mum and dad, you know, why do you want to do it? Why do you want to do this? Yeah. What a lot of guys do, you know, you're going to come home late or late on all this kind of stuff. Mm. And I, it took a lot for me to convince them why I wanted to do it. Yeah. But mm. I think the only way to show them that this is what I want to do is when I'd bring back like footage on my camera and be like, Oh my God, like look at the dance floor. Yeah, like, yeah, Mom, yeah. Look how happy these lot are and they're raving to my music. <laughs> And then they were like, actually... They start becoming more know, accepting, don't they? Yeah. Right. yeah. I mean, yeah, even as a guy, I mean, when I started it up, it was like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just do your studies and stuff like that. But then, obviously, I think it's generally the initial shock of, oh, hang mm. on a second, are you going to be wasting your time here? Or, yeah. But once it starts developing, they start becoming a little bit more accepting. But you're absolutely right. I mean, with the roadshows, there is, there is no real female DJs up north especially yeah. and i think yeah i think you did right tapping into that market and probably give you a platform didn't it to 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 build off of later on absolutely man like i can't i can't stress you how much that that worked in my favor as well like as mm. much as i enjoyed it obviously i you know i loved it after a bit because i kept doing it and doing it but it really helped me build my name you know that that's the way people started recognizing what i was doing yeah. um learning who I am I mean I'm just a random girl from Huddersfield like who the hell is gonna know what I'm doing in my bedroom like you know my decks and stuff but um it, it was a really nice way to put myself out there and I, and I yeah. like the fact that I did it in that way as yeah. opposed to just kind of screaming at people going look this is what I want to do this is what I want to do yeah. I'd rather them just hear my stuff man and if I wasn't DJing I probably wouldn't have got picked up for radio to be fair no so so in 2008, you, you went to university, didn't you? And you did what? Uh, yeah. Media studies at Leeds. I did, yeah. Um, at what point did you know you wanted to take the, the radio route then? Because you said that you kind of, after uni, you started learning the DJ thing and then did it develop into radio? Or did you kind of have, had your eye on that, that side of media? Yeah. Um, so when I, when I chose to do media studies, again, there was another issue, especially with my dad. He was like, what do you want to do that for? What's the job going to be in the end? And my honest answer was, I don't know, but we'll see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> because, you know, I've always wanted to do radio, TV, things like that. Just give me a chance. Let's see what happens. Yeah. So when I, when I got there, I think it was halfway through my first year, we had to find work experience. So I found a, a random station in Leeds, um, did about three, four weeks there maybe. And bear in mind, that, that was my first radio experience of, of any kind of experience whatsoever, you know, just sitting in the studios, watching how people present, yeah. um, looking at the setup and stuff. And towards the end of um, my work experience, I remember the guy saying to me, look, do you want to do, do you want a show on, on the station? And it's voluntary, like it was a voluntary mm. station. And that, for me, was the best day of my life. Even though it was like free, not getting paid for it or nothing like that, it was like, oh my God, I'm actually going to be on the radio. Like, yeah, of course I'll take it. <laughs> um, that station was Fever FM. It's the community station in Leeds. I ended yeah. up staying there for six years. Yeah, and, absolutely. You know, I didn't get paid for it, but I built so many skills. I learned half, like, half the stuff I know today. I probably wouldn't know if I didn't spend six years at this station. 
Um, I feel like I connected with the industry, but I did it myself. Like there was no one really helping you kind of no. you know, get, in, get in with all the people that you needed to know. I had to do that on my own, man. And, but it worked and I mm. loved every single bit of it. So after that, that's when I thought, yeah, man, like, this, this is what I want to do for, for real now. Like whenever this is over and I find a job, and this is what I want to do. It was like your your apprenticeship, really, wasn't it? Like paying your dues and getting yeah. your way in there. And sometimes you, you've got to do it that route where, you know, it's not the glamorous side of things, like it's a voluntary thing, you, but you've got to put that graft mm. in and it opens doors for other things. But the thing is, it wasn't really unrecognised, though, was it, Alex? No, because no, you, you started off... Thing. Yeah, exactly. It was, it was a community radio station. Yes, it was local. But you started off as an apprentice or doing a work experience and then you got offered to do a show, but then you built that up to getting on three times a week you know, yeah, and man, made it, it your own and you were recognized for that. So you, you, you paid your dues and yeah, you, you exactly. allowed yourself to build up all doing it free of charge. Yeah, man. And do you know what? The amount of times I used to hear from people, you know, why are you doing so much work for free? Like, you know, do something properly, get a proper yeah, yeah, job. Yeah, and yeah. I was like, I'm trying. <laughs> I, I was doing everything I could. Like, you know, my, my background is actually in news. So when I graduated, mm. um, because I did a master's in broadcast journalism, I managed to get some shifts at some radio stations just to do like some news reading, news reporting. Yeah. I went to places like Capital, Yorkshire, Metro and Newcastle. I traveled a lot, man. Mm. And I did that for a good four years. So at the same time as doing this voluntary show, I was trying wow. to get money and you know make a living out of doing these shifts elsewhere but i hated it i absolutely and i'm open to say that i don't i'm not shy from that like news is not me like do i look the kind of serious <laughs> person to be telling you the news there <laughs> well <laughs> what I'd be like, I'd be like, is she Sorry. is she telling me the yeah. real that can't be the real story yeah. <laughs> it was it was awful man i'm not gonna lie like i did it for four years and i will never ever forget that time in my life because I just felt like I was forcing myself to do something. But at the back of my head, I kept saying, it's going to pay off. It's going to pay off. You need mm -hmm. this. Put it on your CV. Put it on your CV. Yeah. And up until today, when I am giving, you know, younger girls advice when I'm doing these little talks here and there, can't stress to you how important it is to sometimes do the things you don't like. Yeah. You yeah. know are going to benefit. Yeah. You know, when people say, don't say no, just take it. Like if someone gives you an opportunity, learn to say, yeah, it's true, man. Because if I didn't build all that up man i don't know where i'd be right now it's definitely paid off for me and sometimes you've got you, you you've got to do the things that you don't like to do what you love yeah absolutely and you know in the in the creative uh arena or media as well there's no hard or fast way of, of getting things done and, and mm -hmm. if it comes hard and fast it'll probably go just as quick so you, you really yeah. need to put in that groundwork there because it probably taught you a hell of a lot that you, the, the amount that you was exposed to, yeah, it might have been a community radio station, probably built completely different to the BBC. But mm. when you did go to the BBC, it probably taught you a few things about how to how to produce your own show or how to how to do certain things or even how to as basic as using the equipment, which some people probably don't know. Oh God, yeah, hell, like hell, yeah. Like the thing is, there's so many different stages that you go through when you know just to get to where you want to be. That's like with anything. You can't, you know, nothing lands in your laps. You don't just kind mm. of get it overnight, you know, and become a master at it. 
Yeah. I'm still learning, like, you know, up until today, just because, you know, I'm doing the weekday breakfast show doesn't mean I know everything yeah. about radio or I'm, or I'm the perfect broadcaster. You know, I'd mm. like to be the best I can, mm. but I can't say that I'm not, I've stopped learning because I think you pick things up from, from so many different things, whether that be, you know, your environment, your, your team, other presenters, you know, listening to other shows, you're constantly learning, man. So I, I, I feel like up until today, I'm still doing that. But, but I just, I don't know. I just feel like my journey has been a little bit mad. Like I, I've gone through things I really didn't like, got to things that I kind of like, and then really wanted to be on a bigger platform. But again, I don't think I would have got it without, without the recognition. And mm. I, I, I told myself that if I don't do something about this myself now, I don't really know where I'm going to go because the truth is, and it's the harsh truth, you know, there, there will be people around you that want to help. But a lot of the time, it's only you that can make a lot of this stuff happen, man. Like you, you've got to tell yourself that yeah. what can I physically do to get where I need to be? There's a, like, do you know what I mean? Like if I said to you, got, you know, to you guys, oh, I need to get this tomorrow, help me do it. There's, there's only so much you guys can do. Yeah. Vice Absolutely. versa. Do you know what yeah. I mean? You've got, you've got to get up and do it yourself. Mm. And, I, and I think those six years, there was that six year gap that I always talk about the, the, the radio aspect, the community station, like you said, even though it's just a community station, it's not a big deal. It was a massive deal for me. Oh, yeah. So that was the one thing keeping me going. But at the mm. same time, I was going through depression. You know, my mental health was terrible. I had to seek, you know, professional help mm. because I was sat in a, I was just sat in this really dark hole every night listening to family going, what are you going to do? Where's your job going to be? And then mm. reading emails saying, no, 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 no. Your mind's just in yeah. 10 different zones, man. Because you're mm. thinking, did I do the right thing? Mm. Was my dad right? Mm. You know, am I not going to get a job? And being an Asian female, you know, sorry to say, but it, it is a lot harder. It's, it's a lot harder to it's break the reality of it. I mean, there's no need to apologize yeah, for it. That's it, real. That's it, your experience. It, it, it is what it is, you know, and mm. growing up, I didn't see a lot of that. You know, you saw the odd few and, um, but it was, it was, it was hard. So I feel like when I look back at those six years, it was a bit of 50, 50, man. There was a lot of good, but there was a lot of bad. And yeah. I, only I knew how to take myself out of that. So I, I had to do it, man. Somehow. <laughs> and, and you not only did it, you kind of smashed through it as well, looking at where you've got to today. Obviously there's so much more to come for your career, but to put in that work is really inspirational for people to hear out there that if you just persevere sometimes, even when it doesn't seem like there's yeah. a way forward, there is light at the end of that tunnel. It's about perseverance and consistency in what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah, man. Can't stress that enough. Like, that, you know, I've been through those days where you're, mm. you're throwing things in your room and you're crying yourself to sleep because you're just saying, I'm not going to get there. What's the point? I'll give mm. up. And there, there were times where I thought, you know what, forget it. I'm just going to go work with my dad. Like, he's right. Forget this. And you feel like everything you've done is a waste of time. But the next morning, you've got to get back up, look at yourself in the mirror, have those conversations. Man, it's not embarrassing, you know, talking out loud. Sometimes you've got to ask yourself, why did I start this in the first place? Yeah. And is it really important to me? Do I really want to be there? And every time my answer would be yes. So I thought, right, well, fix yourself up then. Do you know what I mean? Like, snap out of this do what you got to do. And social media was the biggest thing that helped me at that point. That's what helped oh, really? me get out there. Yeah, wow. yeah, 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 yeah. Social media was, it, it was like YouTube, Twitter mm. was around. I don't think there were things like Instagram and Snapchat at that point. No. But um, I used that platform thinking, look, I'm, I'm on Fever now. I've 
made some good friends in the industry. Mm. You know, let's take it to YouTube. And I'd, I'd happen to like get really, really, really good bonds and relationships with like, you know, some PRs and managers and labels and things. Mm. But my first little sit down chat on a sofa was Jazzy B. And oh, I'm wow. there going, flipping hell on. This is big. Get this. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, but, you know what I mean? I haven't got no one helping me behind no, me. Like, yeah. There's no one there. But, no. And it was just me on my crappy little like iPhone 4 or whatever it was back then. Uh, sound quality was terrible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had no equipment, but I just rocked <laughs> up. Got my mate to hold it for me. And I was like, yeah, like yeah. just record this little chat I'm going to have. But those kind of things really helped, man. And when yeah. I started putting it out, only then did people like kind of start talking about who's this girl or I've heard her do this or I've seen this video and it, it helped me man without it I think it would have been a lot harder yeah lot I, harder. I know that obviously when you were at Fever FM we were communicating over Twitter and stuff like that obviously yeah 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 you being a, a budding DJ I was in the events seeing and working a lot with Untouchables doing their events and stuff and I could see that you were putting in this graph. Obviously, didn't know everything behind it. Obviously, mm-hmm. you trying to graft um, through your degree and your masters and that kind of thing. But also at the same time, for me, looking at you, thinking, "Hang on a sec, you're you're a DJ. You're really talented and stuff." And Fever was yes, it was a community radio station, but the market was predominantly Pakistani, and there was only select shows where you you could get your mu- musical freedom. How did it feel that you couldn't really express your taste? as well properly on mm. that station because obviously the demographic that they were they were aiming at yeah it, it was difficult i mean you know because when when you looked at all the shows across the board it, it was hard to kind of see where you fit in or like you know the kind of style that i had or the kind of vibe that i had about music i was trying mm. to work out what can I bring to this station that's a little yep. bit different or, you yep. know, what, what can I bring that there's, there's probably, well, something that's missing. And I could see what it was. I could, mm. I could quickly understand and gauge what was missing. And that was a lot of the Punjabi, Bhangra, UK, international music. There wasn't a lot of that on there apart mm-hmm. from like, you know, the top, top hits and the charts back in the yeah. day or whatever. And then I, I had to kind of just play around and I thought, look, I've been given... I did have a bit of freedom in terms of I could play my music off my laptop. I didn't always have to play what was in the system. Hmm. But I didn't play too much of my own until I started yeah. getting a little bit brave about it. Yeah, I was like, yeah, look, yeah. let me just try it, see what works, see what people like. Hmm. And that's when eventually they gave me the Saturday night Bhangra show. And I told them, you know, I want to, I called it Strictly Bhangra or something like that at the time. And um, it was like a two hour show on a Saturday night. And that's all I did. So I, I eventually I got the freedom to play what I wanted straight from my laptop, whatever was in my, yeah, yeah. in my iTunes. But, and it worked and I felt like, you know, it, that's what was missing. There, yeah. there was people out there that wanted a bit of that. And it was nice to kind of bring it to a station where there isn't a lot of that. You know, no, sometimes yeah. you get not like, you know, you know, with all respect to all Punjabi, you know, Punjabi radio stations that there are, hmm. you know what you're getting in it. Like, you, yeah. you know what you're getting, but for a station like Fever, it was kind of nice to bring something new and it, it, it worked in their favor too. Like it works both ways, you know, I'm, I'm bringing in a whole different audience for yourself as well. So, um, yeah, I got there. I got there in the end. <laughs> so what kind of stuff were you playing then? What, so that was probably what around <laughs> 2011, 12, that yeah. kind of era, what kind of stuff was, was really popping off with the yeah. listeners on that one? I remember playing a lot of music by like Bob Sagu. There was a lot of okay, yeah. stuff. There mm. was, 
PBM was so big around yeah, at the yeah, time. Yeah. Jazzy B, obviously, Honey Singh. There was a mix of everything. I'm trying to remember every every kind of artist I was playing. Roach Killer, Benny Valleywell. There was a lot of the UK scene still popping. Yeah, yeah. There's nothing like, obviously, now. Like, no, now, no. it's too international heavy, which is a good thing. But music's changed a lot, man. So what Absolutely. I was playing back then is definitely different to what I'm mm. playing right now. Oh, yeah. Um, but, but... It worked at the time, you know, it's what people wanted at the time, so it it worked. And I managed to actually get, you know, really good bonds with these people, you know, with them being UK based, it was obviously a lot easier as well, you yeah. know, I got, got talking to them, I've yeah. made some really good friends in the industry now, you know, who I'm still talking to now 10 years on. So, so I mean, yeah. even though there was all that graft, it really did build that foundation for everything, didn't it? Taking you yeah. through to the Asian Network and stuff. But then after yeah. after Fever, you you moved to All Star FM for a, for a year or so, didn't you? My so that God, was... I completely forgot about. That. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did I did do that? I remember. Um, so I had a good friend of mine, Manny Brown, which uh, yeah. you might know. You know, yeah, he's, yeah, he's, yeah. He's mm. um, and he he was on All Star FM at that time, and he was yeah. talking to me a little bit about it. He was like, "Look, complete them if you want to do it." And the one thing that drew me into doing it, it was an online station, so you had to yeah. literally log online to listen to it. But it was the fact that it wasn't Asian music, mm. and I thought, yeah, like I want, I want to, I want to show people that I'm not just about this either. Like it yeah. gives me the chance to play around with my R and B and hip hop stuff. Uh, I went over there, and I think I was the only girl. I think I was the only girl that was there. Um, so they they took it on straight away. They they were just like, yeah, man, like it's good to have a female on board. Mm. Usually slot again. I did a weekend slot. I think I did Saturday morning or something. Yeah. There. It was quite early the show that I did. But it, it it gave me that experience again, and I and I and I loved it. It was just it was more live DJing though on that on that. So that was very yeah. different. It wasn't a radio I, desk or anything. No, anything I think like All Star FM was very almost pirate station esque yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, so yeah, it was yeah. very much DJs who just literally wanted to pay tunes live. I mean, it's kind of yeah. what people are doing with uh, Facebook lives and YouTube lives now, but. Yeah. Of course, it was... Um, it literally is a perfect way to describe it. It, is, it was exactly like that. There was a, quite a few um, back then as well. And Manny, I know, is a, a really good DJ and he's still doing bits here here and there as yeah. well. So that, that must have been a good platform, like you say. So your R&B and hip-hop side was almost untouched with, with yeah. Fever and everything else. So this allowed you yeah. to kind of open up and express that musical side of you and, and show people, hang on a sec... There's another side to the coin here. I can do a little yeah. bit more. I don't necessarily have to do uh, Bollywood yeah. or just Bhangra. So that that must be really like allow you to spread your wings a little bit. So did that kind of almost allow you to project and think, okay, I can I can move on to something bigger here now. So I, I know around 2015 that the call came from from BBC Asian Network. So that yeah, must yeah, have yeah. been like, wow, starting to pay off now. This is a dream come true. Yeah. God, yeah. I felt I felt like I was living two different lives at that time. Uh, you've just reminded me of the whole Fever and All-Star FM phase that I was going through. All-Star, I think I only did for about a year and a half. Mm. Um, it only ran for quite a short, short space of time. But I did feel like I was like two different people because yeah. on Fever I was just hardcore all this desi stuff going on and then All Star I was living this other completely different life which people didn't know about mm. um, but yeah again learned a lot from it but yeah in uh, 2015 I got a, a tweet from Nihal who at the time was on Asian Network and on Radio yeah. 1 Yeah, but it was his last Radio 1 show that he was getting in touch with me for 
And I had to, I had to like look at this message two, three times because I was like, is this the real, no, is this yeah. the actual profile? Because for me, even at that time, it was a big deal, man. I was like, massive. Oh my God. Yeah. I was like, what does he want? What does he want? So I'm checking if he's got the blue tick and all of that. <laughs> um, and I was like, right, it's, it's legit. So I read the message and I, I keep stuff like that, man. So I've actually screenshot all these messages, big moments of my life. Yeah. Yeah. Good to look back yeah. on. And um, he messaged me saying, hey, Harps, I've seen a couple of your mixes floating around on SoundCloud because I, I must have uploaded a few after some of the gig. And he was like, just wondering if you wanted to do a mix for my last Radio 1 show. Mate, I had I'd gone into shock. Like, <laughs> I didn't. I remember just sitting there staring at the screen going, like, does he actually want me to do this? Radio 1 as well. It was massive. And I sat there just thinking about it. I was like, but if I say no, this is going to be the dumbest thing ever, and I need to say yeah. <laughs> because I was so scared. Yeah, Again, yeah, I was yeah, scared. yeah. Was, was like, this yeah, the man, Bobby right. Friction and Nahal present show? That was it. That one, that the last it's one. When they did, they okay. Split at this point, so it was just Nahal doing his. Oh, own okay, thing. okay, yeah. Um, and it was his. Yeah, it was his last show on there. So I said, yeah, I sent the mix. Got played on Radio 1. Yes, I was filming the entire thing off the TV screen. <laughs> it was like my first big like claim to fame. Um, and then that, that if that moment hadn't happened, I honestly don't think I'd be where I am right now. Because after that, I got a random message from someone who runs the Asian Media Awards. At the time, I had no idea who he was. Didn't know what these awards were. Um, and he said, look, I've seen a bit of your stuff here and there. We've got a new, um, a new category this year for Outstanding Young Journalist. Wow. And he was like, I think you should put yourself forward because you've done a lot of different stuff as a journalist. Hmm. And I was like, let me have a quick Google, looked up what these awards were. And I was like, are you, are you mad? Like looking at the people that were up for an award in these categories. I was like, no one even knows who I am. And you want me to go up against like these yeah, yeah. massive people on a platform. And he was like, no, but that's the whole point of this new category. We want the newcomers coming in. And mate, I really wasn't buying it. I, honest to God, was sat there going, "This is going to be a complete waste." I'm being pumped. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I know I've got stuff like that I've done, but it's not that big of a deal either. But then um, again, one of my best friends, he was just like, "Look, you've got 15 minutes till this deadline." I remember it was quarter to 12 midnight, and he's like, "If you don't do it now, you're going to regret this for the rest of your life." Just do it. Absolutely. I thought, okay, fine. I had to submit all this like work, sent it through. Literally the next morning. You're shortlisted. Got down to the final four. I think there was four or five of us mm. in that category. And I was like, what? This is mad. Took my entire family to the ceremony, as you do. Um, sat there Rolling with all in, these. Full family. Yeah, man. <laughs> and I've never been so starstruck. Like, there were mainstream people from, like, you know, Channel 4, ITV, like, World wow. Service News. So there were familiar faces I'd seen on TV just sat mm. in this room. And I was just like, how, again, how have I got myself <laughs> It was just mad. And um, this, this, this was the biggest turning point. So um, I didn't win, but I felt like I won a lot more that night because Nahal was there. Yeah. He finds me, came over to the table, and he literally grabbed me by the wrist. He just went, I just need to borrow you for a minute. Like, I just want to introduce you to someone. And I thought, oh, my God, okay. Let's go. <laughs> so I'm following him, and I'm chatting to this guy. I had no idea who he was. At the time, I remember I didn't even listen to the name because I was that nervous. So I'm just talking to this guy that he's taking me to, and he's like, "Oh, Nihal said a lot about you. You know, he's got a lot of high, you know great things to say about you. Tell me a little bit about yourself." Got chatting, pulled out his card, and he was like, "Look, I'll be in touch. Um, you know, here's here's my here's my card, whatever." So I walked off, 
and I didn't read it until I started. I was going to say, did you not read the card at that point? <laughs> I know, no, but I regret that I didn't. So I went back to my dad and I was like, I just spoke to like the head of Asian Network and it was Mark, Mark Strippon. I was like, I can't believe who I just spoke to. I had no idea who that was, guy was. And then I, then you go through this whole phase of, damn, I should have said this, I should have said that, I want to say this. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember what I said. Should have dropped a set. Um, <laughs> yeah, man. I was like, oh my God, I don't know what I said in this conversation. I don't know if it was good or bad or what. Mm-hmm. And then all the way home in the car, I was just like, dad, if I could have changed that conversation, man. I I don't know. Like, I just, I didn't know what I'd said. Um, but then the, the, the horrible part, again, for me was I didn't hear from him for five and a half months. <laughs> <laughs> so in those five in those five and a half months, you can imagine how oh, mate. So I was yeah, going. I yeah. was so angry. I was telling my mom, I was like, Mom, I bet he says this to everyone. He's not yeah, going to call me. Oh, I bet, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I bet yeah. it was just something that I he was does. like, oh yeah, you know, like, you know, he's just he's, <laughs> what he says to everyone. I was so angry. And it's because my I got my hopes up so high that yeah. something was gonna come from it. Yeah, yeah. But Naturally, though, months, it? Yeah. Situations like that don't happen for no reason. And you kind of build it up in your head and you're like, oh my God, this is it. This is it. But obviously, I think what you end up learning as you maybe get older or more experiences, things don't generally go at the pace that you always want them to go. And sometimes you've just got to hang on a sec. So leave it back in my head. If something comes of it, something will come of it. And something did. I think if if, if anyone knows that, Plans don't go to plan. That's definitely me. <laughs> like, you must have been going crazy life. in that in that five and a half months, thinking if I'd have said this, he'd have called by now. If I'd have done this, that must have messed with me something explain. rotten. I know it sounds like I'm just saying I was angry, but I was flipping fuming. Like <laughs> I, I was like, this was the moment, man, and he's just not gonna mess it. Anyway, when he did, it eventually, uh, he said, you know, come down to London. Let's just have a chat. You know, I just want to have a chat. That was literally all he said. And I was like, mm. yep, I'm there. Came down to the studios. I was like stunned just mm. by walking into that building. Absolutely. Um, it, like I've never been in an, I've never been in an environment like that. I've never yeah. been in studios like that. Like just looking at cameras. Like for me, that adrenaline rush was mad. Like just looking at it, I was like, oh my God, like I can't believe I'm here. Sat down, had a really nice chat with him. And then he called me back. He said, come back, you know, let's do a pilot. I just want mm. you to do a demo. Again, I'm getting gassed thinking, right, I'm going to get this. I'm gonna get this. <laughs> um, went down two, three months later, maybe did this, um, did this demo. Then I went on a family holiday to Morocco and I actually got the call for the job when I was on holiday. And wow. I could have easily missed that phone call, man. Um, but yeah, who I, wants to pay again, roaming charges? Bloody hell. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I was Especially like, when your future's I involved. I didn't even recognise the number, but I still answered it on, yeah. on a bloody holiday. And I thought, yeah. it might be, it might be. And, and when I got it, I just couldn't believe it because he said it so quick. Like It was just mm. like, hey, Hearts, you're right. Enjoy your holiday. So uh, do you want to be the Sunday morning breakfast presenter? Again, how have I got myself here? Like, it was just... That was by far one of the most amazing days of my life because I'm... Ne- you know when you've been waiting years to hear words like that, like you're 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 on a you're on a national platform, hearts. You mm. freaking got somewhere. Like all those years, you had to work for free, um, doing things that you didn't want to do. You know, Absolutely. going through this whole mental health issue, hearing it from 
you know, every person around you that, you know, you're not going to get anywhere in this and then proving them wrong. Hmm. It was the best feeling ever. It really well, arguably, was. Whilst, whilst uh, on holiday as well. Don't get me Yeah, yeah man. <laughs> I was like, let's celebrate all night. I ain't <laughs> so, arguably, yeah, it's, the, it's the biggest platform in the in the country, if not the world, the BBC, and renowned for radio shows and renowned for the Asian network. I mean, it's it's something that didn't come easy, and mm. you you grafted it doing that weekend show. Uh, I don't know where you were traveling, where you were living at the time. Probably driving to either Birmingham or London to do the shows. That must have been a tough graft for you for for a couple of years. But yeah. did you did you feel as if right? Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm going to take this by the neck and I'm going to, I'm going to run with it and make it my own. I mean, th- the minute you mentioned traveling, it just gives me anxiety again. <laughs> that again was, it was awful doing that. But it, when, when I first got the gig, I did Sunday morning breakfast. It was just a Sunday. And mm. I thought, look, it's in London. I might as well just commute. So I used yeah. to go down on a Saturday, mm-hmm. get the train on a Saturday, stop over, do the show, come back. <clears throat> did a lot of that. Then, a year later, I got given full weekend breakfast and they moved me to Birmingham. And then I thought, right, it's closer to home. It's still not really worth me moving, moving. No, yeah. I'll commute. Then I started driving there. So I drive there. But it took it, it takes a lot out of you, man. Because Absolutely. The shift yeah. that, again, the shift that you work in. And with me being an insomniac, a person that doesn't really sleep anywhere, mm. I still don't know how I do it. <laughs> it was That was hard. Yeah. And then when I got given weekday breakfast, it shifted me back to London again. And I thought, well, I can't commute now if it's Monday to Friday. No, I absolutely not. my life. And it, there was a lot of changes going on in my life at that point, man. It was the hardest year. That was by far one of the hardest years of my career mm. was just adapting to so much. To so much. Um, and it, 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 it was hard. I don't really know how else to explain it, but it was bloody no, hard. No, you can One, imagine. I mean, you grafted yeah. two years solid uh, yeah. doing the uh, initially the Sunday, then the weekend breakfast, and then obviously mm. it paid dividends and you were offered the weekday breakfast show. I mean, obviously they saw something in you. Obviously they they may have been grooming you from the start for that, um, especially because it, it's, it's built up to to something really, really good right now. And obviously yeah. it's no easy thing packing up your life and moving to the big smoke, especially when you're used to your, not, your nice little town mentality yeah. in, in Yorkshire. The, and all the thing is, like, you, you're, you'll probably understand what I mean yeah. by that. You know, coming from up north, it is very difficult, I think, for mm. someone from up north to move to London. It's a completely different world, man. Yeah. You know, it's nice coming down here in doses, yeah, you know, yeah. coming down for a weekend mm. or whatever. But when I thought of moving, I was like, oh, I don't know if I can do that, you know. I, don't, I really don't know if I can do Absolutely. it. But, and I lived out of a bag for months because, mm. you know, how hard is it trying to find a flipping place to live? Yeah. I had to find something, you know. But that, that, even that it. probably plays on your mentality a little bit. If you're not oh, really God. quite settled, you kind of got one foot in, one foot out. I mean, obviously, yeah. one consistent thing was your was your work and you probably threw everything into it. But yeah. like like you said, I, I moved down to London for a few years once I graduated that was a little bit easier because you're kind of like, I don't know what my, I'm doing with my life. I'm just going to come <laughs> here and work. But yeah, yeah, like yeah. you said, so many different changes going on in your life, but you really put in the work for the BBC mm. and you did it for, and for yourself as well. And obviously now it's, yeah, arguably the, the biggest breakfast DJ at the Asian Network. And that's... It, yeah. I feel like I have to pinch myself sometimes. Man, <laughs> when I, You know, when I actually realise like where, the you know, the position that I'm in right now, sometimes 
I think I forget, not to say that I'm ungrateful, I forget like how big of a deal it actually is mm. because I'm just so focused on how much I love what I do. I'm just yeah, enjoying yeah, yeah. it. I'm just yeah. having fun with it. But then when I'm actually away from work or I'm meeting people or I'm out and about and I hear, you know, what people say or I'm reading stuff, what people say, mm. it it's really overwhelming. It's yeah. really overwhelming. And but don't get me wrong, like, you know, when I when I made the transition um of being a weekday breakfast presenter, it's hard filling somebody else's shoes as well because you know mm. that a flagship show is so big. Yeah. Someone's obviously, you know, been running it for a very long time. Because you don't you don't get presenters on, you know, shows like that just for a little bit. They're there no. for a, a long yeah. period of time. So absolutely. You've you've got to also understand that you're training the listeners. To, to try a different cup of tea because you're yeah. not going to be everyone's you know oh, yeah. favorite but it's it's hard and i received a lot of backlash in the first five six months it was difficult man no, because you, you're reminding yourself that damn i'm actually like i'm, I'm new to not just myself but for mm. everybody else that's listening you know it's a, it's the change of their routine they're waking up to a different voice and it's like it's anyone true. you know you move on the next one comes in you move on the next one comes in it's not easy when you're trying to um trying to take somebody else's seat but make yeah. it your own well i think you're absolutely right in that sense that it has to be difficult because let's let's be honest you're a part of somebody's morning routine that that mm. is it people jump in their cars on their commute and they expect to hear the same thing and they're expecting yeah. a certain thing so retraining them to to your style is not something that mm. come easy and like you said filling somebody else's shoes is quite difficult but you've You've often said that you have looked at inspiration from Sonia Diol and DJ Caper, who were previously at the Asian Network as well. So how did it feel trying to aspire to be in their footsteps as well? Because they did it big as well in at the Asian yeah. Network. And, and one's a journalist and <laughs> one's an international DJ. So this is this yeah. is a bit of you in both of them. How, how did that kind of feel? Did you kind of bring something to your show kind of channel with inspiration from them do you know what it is that, that's exactly what it is it was it was me seeing a bit of me in both of them that that's mm. exactly what it was and I think that's why when people ask me like you know who do you look up to I immediately just go to those two names yeah um k was obviously the only female DJ during my time growing up that I knew was an Asian female killing it like yeah. I didn't know any other Asian female DJ absolutely killing it at that point. Mm. And I'd listen to her, I'd watch her stuff. And I just used to think, how sick would that be for a yeah, girl yeah. to do what mm. she's doing? Like, mm. And not a lot of girls have, you know, the courage or the confidence to do it. Um, yeah. they, they just don't because we're always being told that we shouldn't be doing it or you should mm. be doing something else. Or, you know, and stuff like that. Yeah, and I, yeah. I just remember hearing all of that all my life, but. Watching her gave me the drive. I, I remember just going, nah, I'd love to do that, man. I'd mm. try it at some point. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work, but yeah. I'd love to try it. So I'm glad that I kind of <clears throat> watched a lot of her stuff and heard a lot of her sets um, just to get a bit of inspiration. Sonia was the only journalist that I saw on TV. Like She was the only literally Asian face I'd seen doing what I one day wanted or hoped to be yeah. doing as well. I, I still remember there was one interview that she did with Rahit. I'm sure it was Rahit for Daily Khan. She was doing it on the red button. <clears throat> My mum was watching it. I remember walking in and I was like, I would love to sit there and mm. do this with some big guests, man. Like, 
And my mum still remembers that. Like she's she's still up until today says you wanted to do that. And it's yeah. mad because I'm actually in her seat as well. She's been a previous breakfast presenter on the Asian network. And I was just that little girl watching her. Now I sometimes get I literally I've got goosebumps right now just saying <laughs> it. Because I, sometimes I can't I can't believe like, you know, when you 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 watched someone all your life and now you sat in a seat they've sat yeah. in. That's crazy to me, man. You know what what I really have enjoyed about your career mm-hmm. is yes you've had like caper and sonia kind of to to look up to but you've done it in your own style like they've got their own unique style and and sometimes mm. when you get pioneers you get a lot of like me too's following them or a lot of copycat kind of feel yeah. because it's like someone's paved the way someone have followed the exact same way but for you it's like yes they paved the way for you and you pay respect to them, but you've also done it with your unique style, identity, personality, and you've made your own like your own niche for you because you are an individual. It's not like you're a reproduction mm. of anyone else. And that's just great to see that someone has taken that inspiration and made it their own. That's really nice to hear, man. I fully appreciate you saying that. That, that means a lot because it, it, it was difficult trying to find yourself as well. You know, when mm. you reach such a, a huge platform and you're on a national station, it's difficult trying to yeah. figure out who you are, right. where you fit in, you know, what are you about? What's mm. your style? What can people learn about you? It is hard. Like, yeah. it, it's natural for someone to fall into a seat and then try and be the person yeah. that and, was in the seat and before. And do what they do. Yeah. Just because and do what they do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, it's, and it's, sometimes it's just natural. It's, it's because you're just thinking, maybe that's what I need to do to do well, because yeah. that's why they're there. Right. Yeah. But actually, once you do that mistake and you realize that's not the right way to go, mate, like yeah. don't no. be doing what yeah. somebody else is, be yourself. Mm. That's when you realize how important it is to, to be you and find your personality. And, you know, of course, it took me a while as well. You don't find yourself straight away. You know, mm. it's difficult sometimes, but... Um, I think now, now I can finally say happily, having done the weekday show for three years, that now I I, I know who I am, and I know that mm. I I'd like to think that I am just me. And but that's it. The listeners know what to get now. Yeah, yeah. The, I think it does it does shine through because yeah. it's kind of you know you see people who are not being authentic, and you can tell because it's like it doesn't yeah. come naturally to them. Whereas everything that you do is natural and authentic obviously like like you said you you're watching caper videos and stuff and you're like i want to be that kind of dj and definitely you got to find inspiration from different places and you got to find um almost the style that you want to go down but i just want to talk about the the sonia diol side of it yes you remember the moment when you were watching that particular interview and you thought i want to do this so now you're seen presenting these massive shows and awards and concerts for these massive artists and doing these kind of interviews and bringing your personality across. But that actually started really early, like in mm. for Fever FM, you were it, back in 2011. So was that always a part of you that you thought, I, I, I want to, which side of the decks did you want to be on? Did you want to be at the front of stage? Yeah. Is that where you kind of saw your passion lie? Or yeah. did you think, hang on, I want to be behind um, the decks more? I'm glad that you brought that up, actually, because again, it's another great, it's a great question. Mm. I, I feel like um, DJ and being on that side, I felt like I knew this wasn't going to be something that I want to do full time or forever. It was more mm. of a hobby. It was, yeah. it, it was just something that I enjoyed doing on the side, but I knew I couldn't, I couldn't invest my entire life and effort and time into it. It was, it yeah. was, 
it was hard even thinking about mm. that. So I thought, you know what? It's nice to keep on the side. Let's do it. Um, but with Sonia, I don't know what it was, but it was very different because like you said, and I'm glad that you brought that point up actually, is I, I did start this off very early on because of fever and building my own connections and, you know, trying to get, you know, um, answers back from people because you know how hard it is in this industry. It's yeah, very absolutely. easy for you to either get blind, you're going to get straight up aired by someone Definitely. or you're going to get a no. Yeah. Um, it's hard. Like, so I've been through that as well, you know, try really hard to connect with them. But those that I did connect with, I did it all by myself. So when I look back at those little interviews and chats that I've put up on YouTube and SoundCloud or little sound bites that I've done here and there, I, I, I must have felt at some point in my life that this is something that I want to pursue. Like, this is what I want to carry on doing because I enjoyed it so much. Yeah. And it's another thing that Asian Network were quite, quite shook by because they don't come across many people that already know so many people in the industry mm -hmm. or have a good connection or yep. have done you know quite a bit before being there because most of the time they give you the opportunity and bring you there and say look absolutely now you yeah. can do all of this this, this. Mm. and of course i've got many opportunities through them but they were they were they were quite surprised but in a positive way they were like wow like you know you've you've already got these connections you know you already speak mm. to all these people you already you know you've done a couple of shows here and there so yeah, it's been there from the start. And I think I did always want to be on the stage. I did yeah. always want to be on the mic. One, because I can talk a lot, as you can tell, I can talk for days. That's <laughs> not an issue. And I've got the confidence to do that. But um, stage work as well, because I've, I've done a lot of like, you know, dancing. I know it's slightly off topic a little bit, but dancing I've been doing since a really young age. Yeah, yeah. Also like when I was about 10, 11, I'd get involved with these like dance groups and performing for Diwali and Vasaki mm. and stuff that's happening at the Goddard and like, stuff like that. So I'd, I'd had that kind of stage experience. So I think that was already there from the beginning. Even yeah. in like all our family videos, I'm the blimmin' loud mouth at the front <laughs> screaming and shouting, wanted, wanting to be on camera. So <laughs> I felt like I was never camera shy. I don't yeah, think yeah. I've ever had that problem mm. but believe it or not before every big show or stage that i do i am crapping it oh. <laughs> i still still get butterflies <laughs> it doesn't matter how much you love that and i love it when i'm on it i'm fine like the minute mm. i've stepped outside then i'm living my dream of like yeah <laughs> my comfort zone but you know that backstage yeah yeah, yeah overthinking behind, everything yeah, yeah the screens yeah yeah i feel i feel sick <laughs> like you don't want to be standing next to me at that point i'm like oh no i'm really nervous so you Palm do, but I think it's good to have them. It's good yeah, to have them. I think it keeps you it keeps you humble. Like you want to really do a good job. If you went out there overconfident, it's, that's a different story altogether. Yeah, absolutely. And obviously the breakfast show that gave you an a platform and elevated you to allow you to do a lot more of these shows. Obviously, it brought you to the limelight. Um and obviously people started to know your name and associate. I know, obviously, like you said, Sonia Dior was one of your inspirations for that. But then even a little bit before that, Noreen Khan was doing them as well. So yeah. it's something that you were following there as well. And you, again, like Max says, you definitely brought it into your own. You brought your own personality into it, which is great. But that also gives you an opportunity to, to interview, yes, the artists and stuff, but even like Bollywood stars and even Will Smith when you were outside the yeah, premiere. And you interviewed him. That must have been crazy thinking that. Yeah. I used to listen 
to Men in Black soundtrack, and I used to listen to Miami back in the day, and now you're interviewing you're standing Will in front Smith. Of the Fresh Prince, like what? the Fresh Prince, yeah. man, that's crazy. <laughs> it's it's mental, man. This is why I always say my journey is is just crazy. I don't really know how to explain it, but it 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 still feels surreal. Like when I hear people like yourself just saying what you're saying, it makes me realize how far I have actually come because yeah. I, I, I like. Sometimes the, the the biggest reason why I love chatting to people like yourselves and doing things like this is because I want people to understand that I didn't just get this overnight, yeah. you know, because a yeah, lot of no, people absolutely. do, they assume that straight away. Mm. They're just like, oh, she's probably got lucky or, you know, she's got this job and yeah. whatever. Actually, there's a lot of blood, sweat and tears that goes into it, man. And I, I work, absolutely. you know, like I keep going back to that six year gap. Mm. That that was a big period of my life that mm, not went to waste. I don't want to say went to waste, but it was I was just lost. You yeah. like what was I doing in those six years? And now where I am right now, sometimes I do sit and think, you know, maybe I should have done all of this a bit earlier. And everyone thinks differently as mm. you get older. You know, I'm like, you know, maybe I should have got all of this when I was 25, 26. Maybe I'm doing everything a bit too late. I don't know. Yeah, hindsight's a beautiful thing but but let's yeah. be honest okay you you went through that six-year grind and it's been what on six seven years since that so you've done the equivalent but you've yeah. you've elevated so much within that time sometimes yeah. for some people it comes within a year some yeah. people it yeah. comes within so, in six sometimes it's one of those where you've got to go slow sometimes to go fast as mm. you know as daft as that sounds but those six years could never be a waste because without it, you wouldn't have been who you were with the experience, yeah. with the mind, with yeah. all the uh, energy course. that comes with it. Uh, and to average Joe listener, yeah, you might be right. They may think, oh, who's this girl? Yeah, she just got lucky or whatever because mm. who knows because she's a girl or whatever like that. Yeah. But they yeah. they don't know the grind. And, and I'm glad we could could get you on the show today and yeah. we, we almost could call it This Is Your Life, Harps. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, literally, is yeah. I'll get my red book like, out. <laughs> going back to your question as well, just about opportunities, I, I've got to say, like, you know, as much as I've worked really hard myself trying to do what I can, mm. there's there's a lot of things I could not have done without the Asian Network as well, yeah. man. Like, oh, yeah. they've, they've put me on a platform where I've been able to to do so many things that I just never would have dreamt of. I'm that girl who was sat in my bedroom thinking I'm never going to get a job because of the amount of emails I got through and yeah. going back to that, you know, those, those six years. But now, like you said, I'm stood in front of people like Will Smith. I've been to Mumbai and I've met some Bollywood stars. You know, I've, I've met some mainstream acts here because I'm working alongside One Extra and Radio One every day. Mm. You know, I've, I've got I've got so many opportunities around me, but it comes because of that graph. You, none of this, none of this lands in your lap. I have to keep saying that because I know how many people think like that, and it it stresses me yeah. out. <laughs> because you you've got to respect people's yeah. graph, man. No yeah. one gets there just by themselves. You, no, and you, I, you, I know you you put a lot of um, thanks into the Asian Network and stuff like that. But you've also made things happen yourself as well. Like <clears> obviously. Anybody who visited your socials or looked at the features on Asian Network know that you love dancing. You spoke about it before that you were dancing from such a young age. You really sparked a resurgence in that side of your life, that putting up dance videos, doing features for the Asian Network, that's a part of your personality. You wouldn't have had your prede predecessors don't necessarily did. They didn't necessarily do that. Right. So that's something yeah. you're bringing to the table and adding to, to the Asian Network, giving them features that are a part of your yeah. personality as well. Again, again, yeah, like, you know, 
when I was going through that phase of not knowing who I am and still trying to find myself, I did have to sit down and just like look at my life as mm. silly as that sounds. I had to kind of even write down what do I enjoy doing? What do I like doing? What can I talk about? Like trying to figure out who, who am I? Yeah. Um, and dance was a big thing because, you know, like I said, I've been doing it since I was like two, three, whatever. And then, you know, Holly Holly started getting to like events and things like that and performing here and there and just genuinely having a big interest in it. But when I moved to London, I wanted to bring that back. I was like, mm. you know, I, wa- I want to have fun with it. And that was mainly because there was a lot of um, people that I'd met along the way during my opportunities at Asian Network as well, you know, just bumping into dancers and, yeah, yeah. you know, finding out about their classes and just joining them for fun. And it brought me that excitement back. Yeah, and I yeah. thought, I really want to like just do more of it. Again, mm. it's not to prove anything because I'm not no. a professional. I'm not a professionally trained dancer. I just no. do it because I enjoy it. And it just happens to be something that, you know, people that follow my work or watch my work like to watch. So I just do it because I like it. Absolutely. It's just, it's just another escape for me as well. You know, it takes me away from all the stress. I was going to say, work, it probably does it de- help you yeah. de-stress just doing something and 100%. expressing yourself in something a little bit different. And yeah, speaking of things 100%. different, obviously we all grew up on Saturday morning TV and mm. It's literally the children equivalent of primetime, basically. Yeah. So now you're the, you're the face <laughs> of CBBC's Saturday mashup. That, that's an achievement. Did you ever think it, that that's what you'll be doing? Did you ever? No. I know you talked no, before no, saying no, you no. didn't expect it, but wow. And definitely not this quick either. I'm not going to lie. Like TV's obviously been on my, you know, my wish list, something that I've always wanted to do. TV is obviously a lot harder as well. You know, you, you've got to build up a lot of opportunities and things before you get there. But I I got an amazing opportunity just through them seeing some of my stuff on Instagram, you know, just watching the kind wow. of stuff that I post yeah, yeah. and whatever, getting in touch with my team and saying, look, is it something that should be interested in? And I remember when she ran me, it was literally two weeks before Christmas, just gone. And they were like, look, they're doing auditions next week. Do you want to try it? And I honestly didn't think much of it. I just took it as a, an exciting experience like experiment thinking I'm not that big yet. Like, you know, my portfolio probably isn't as big to be on the TV just yet, Mm. but I want to try it. Let's just see how it goes. And when I went, I've never done an audition like that. Like it it was just a different, different world, but I loved the fact that I did it because I thought at least now I know what you have to do in it. Like what kind of thing you have to do and what to expect. And that's honestly what I did. I just went there, had fun with it being the you know crazy idiot that I am and walked away and honestly just thought look at least I know how it works and then I got a call two days before Christmas saying you've got it and I was again what do you what do you say (laughs) to stuff like that I'm just like oh my god like it's happening and that again was another turning point and I talk about these turning points a lot because they're moments that you can't forget man because I've always wanted TV but then to have a mainstream gig, yeah. you know, that crossover for an Asian female to cross from Massive. just an Asian platform to mainstream on a CBBC channel is it's a big deal because not you don't get that straight away. And no. I wanted to make full use of that opportunity and I, I loved every single bit of it. That must be so much fun, that whole, you know, the Saturday morning mashup. It just must yeah. be just a, a riot every single time you do it. It was crazy. Such a mental show as well. Yeah. Like if you watch it, like there's just so many like crazy things that are going on. 
but if I was to tell you how hard it is, that level of energy. Oh my God. Like, you know, when this lockdown thing happened, a part of me secretly was saying, I just needed a break. Yeah. I did need to yeah. stop for a bit. I was working six days a week. Sunday was my only day off. And believe you me, I was just sleeping because waking up at 4 a.m. five days a week and then going, well, four days a week, then going up to Manchester on a Friday. So I'm traveling up north now. Wow. Um, on a Friday, rehearsing from 9 to 8 p.m. in the evening, learning a 100-page script. Every week, it was it's crazy. bloody oh, hard work. Intense. And then waking yeah. up on Saturday at four as well yeah, to like yeah, rehearse, yeah. do your hair and makeup, and then do live TV. It's not even recorded. It's live TV. I was fully drained every time that show <laughs> finished. But that the, doesn't the, surprise the best me. thing about yeah, like the best thing about it is, you know, when I watch it back, Sundays used to be my day. I'll put iPlayer on and I'll watch it back. That's when I'm sat there going, you know what? It's so worth it. Man. Yeah, it's worth it. As much That's as I complain and cry, yeah, 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 I'm like, I'm actually on the flipping team. Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. But the, the thing amazing. is, you only feel that like when your alarm goes off at that moment, you're thinking, what the fuck am I doing? Right. Yeah, but yeah. then as soon as you're up and you're in that mode and you're doing your script and you're rehearsing, you're kind of like, this This is me. This is, this is what yeah. I love to do. And like you said, you watch it back and you, you think, shit, man, it's, yeah. it's paid off now. It's paying that's off. when I realized it's when you honestly it is when you watch it but that's mm. when you realize it's all it's all worth it because I, I am a, a bit of a complainer I complain a lot when I'm tired I'm cranky <laughs> in the morning you don't want to be around me I'm hungry like I'm if I'm, I'm sleep deprived I'm not the nicest person yeah, yeah. <laughs> hours. it takes a couple of hours wow. to be a nice person but um I feel for you doing it on TV in the morning yeah man even I do but, <laughs> Like on TV, the, the hardest thing that I found about TV is, you know, even if you're tired or you're having a bad day or, you know, someone pissed you off or whatever, you can't hide that, mate. You're on no. screen. Yeah. Radio, absolutely. you ain't going to know what I'm going through on radio every yeah. day. Like, yeah. so I'm happy about that. <laughs> like, <laughs> days where I'm feeling like my worst or, you know, you've got stuff going on in your own personal life. No one in the world is going to know what's happening because no one can see you anyway, no, as long no. as you deliver it in your voice. Yeah. But, TV, I think that was the biggest learn and struggle that I think I had to add to adapt yeah. to because I was like, no matter what my expression is, mm. you're going to see it. Absolutely. Not one beat. Not two beats. It's the three beats. So, Hearts, we asked you to pick three songs that you could play on repeat over and over again forever, whether it's in your car, whether it's you singing it in the shower, whether it's you on the commute to the Asia Network. What's your three beat track number one? It's so hard when people ask me this question. It would really be a top 100, but I've tried to narrow it down. <laughs> just a bit. Track number one. Yeah, just a bit. You put me in a hard spot here. Right, track number one, it would be Godasman, but I like the truthful version to it. I remember listening to that, maybe I can't remember all the words, but it was a vibe, like it was that truthful yeah. vibe that you put in it. I was like, this this is sick I was going to ask you if it was the original like lost tape one or the true school one (laughs) because true school one's my favourite as well it's so good yeah I don't know what it is like that's what really drew me into that song but I remember like my friends around me and stuff used to think because not all of them had my taste of music they'd be like this sounds well old like it's so folk like because it is a proper this tune it's good that's mine like but I love that stuff and I was like this is sick and I used to play it on my on my MP3 player <laughs> again and again. 
That's one song I can never get sick of, man. I just can't. It's a vibe. That whole album, that whole album's a vibe. Like yeah, in that yeah, house yeah, yeah. album, it's just folk meets like new school hip hop style beats. It's so good. Yeah. It is it, mm. the, the true school flavor to that. Breathed new life in that track, didn't it? It just kind of brought it to yeah, a whole new generation because it was a really, it's a really, it. really folky kind of track, and then mm. true school just kind of made it relevant again. And it, it's yeah. uh, that's solid. Yeah, that's probably arguably great. one of the best three peats that I've had on here. I actually forgot about that tune before you <laughs> mentioned it, but okay, what's it? What's Can't your number two? Can't forget about it now, <laughs> No, I'm not going to forget about it now. It's Trust not even me. long. It's not even long, is it? Like the tune lasts like yeah, it's two not. minutes or no. something or a minute. That's and all a you half. need. Like, that's all you need. Like okay, you know, we're just going <laughs> bang it done. No messing around. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Man. Wicked. Yeah. What's your number two, Hops? Um, who is. I've got to go with a Dimaidi of the Golden Star album. Mookie thing. What a tune! Banger. I I don't know what it is about that song, but my dance floor (laughs) and if I'm at a party or a wedding, no matter where I am, my friends, my family know the one track to get me going off that chair, if need be, is that song. I I have to say that song is timeless, and the reason why is that ragga vibe that's in the back. It just makes yeah. you want to move, man. It's yeah, so yeah, good. Yeah. It's so it's, good. The, the production sick, oh, like, sick. it just yeah. makes me want to dance. It's bringing yeah. out that, that dance to me. I just love it. It's, what a tune, man. How can you get sick of a track like that? You can't. You can't. That's you know fun. what? I, it came up on one of my old playlists. And yeah. I heard it probably after about five or six years. And I was like, what a tune what a tune and I just had it on repeat I just kept playing it on repeat yeah. what, what, I think Love it's from it. the Forever Gold album and it, it was Golden yeah. Star Days but how old it's like 1995 but it sounds yeah. so good now but this uh, is just, what I mean you know you're saying like 1995 people will come to me and be like how do you know this track from 95 that you're five years old yeah. but the thing is I might not have known it when I was five years yeah. old and probably discovered it a lot later yeah. in life that's so true I just there's something about me that likes that sound. I really yeah. Yeah. draw to that kind of vibe. It's what a tune. It's a great tune, and you know, I kind of listened to it and saw the album cover of the for the for the album. Yeah, yeah, and I was yeah. like, yeah. Wow, that is old. Like that is old. It's like it's been photocopied. Yeah. <laughs> it's been photocopied about six times, like I, that level yeah, of quality. I, I remember. I remember. Like I, I got transported back to like. A, the land before time, like with just old school <laughs> yeah, tapes and little printout in that that Photoshop picture. What what yeah, what a great tune. Brilliant number what two there. Okay, Harps, what's your third and final three P? So my third was difficult, right? Because like I said, there's so many songs to pick from. I didn't know whether to go with the one that's a bit more fresh, like a bit more new or still something more old school. Like, I'm going to tell you what my old school one would have been, but I'm not picking it in my top three. Can I tell you that? Okay, go on. Go on. We're bending the rules a bit, but go on. Pro- we're bending the rules slightly. <laughs> if I had to pick it and I had to say old school, I would have gone for Mirza Part 2 from WMC because it's up there. <laughs> I wish you'd never but, told me now. But, <laughs> no, but, but, but for top three, okay, I just okay. switch it up a little bit. I do, I do want to change it. So I'm going to go with The Prophecy and the track Skin Nigel. Now, okay. Prophecy for me... I feel like I discovered him when not a lot of people really knew who he was. I used to listen to his mm. YouTube stuff a lot. Like, you know, he used mm. to put himself out on there. And again, back going to like fever days, I just listened to this guy on YouTube. I really like my Senti vibes, man. I yeah, really yeah, like yeah, my yeah. programs. And 
Obviously. He is a phenomenal writer. I feel like when he writes his lyrics. Is just, I was going to say this tune is completely left of field compared to the, yeah. Yeah, yeah, the yeah, other yeah. two. Yeah. I mean, I've switched the. Ginnachin is like it's. You're right. It's like synthy. It's almost like ducky, like really slow. Mm. Yeah, yeah it's a completely different vibe. But you know what? It's a music for every mood, right? Depends what yeah, mood yeah, you're yeah. in. You could be chilling, listening to this one over and over again. And this is what I mean. Like just going back to like I, I, I love too many different sounds and genres yeah. that yeah. I can go from one extreme to the other. <laughs> but um, I thought I'd switch it up with something a bit more fresh because, like, in the new sound kind of time i really like his stuff man i've mm. always loved a lot of his a lot of his music and that particular track as ducky as it is i can't i can't listen to it on repeat i'm not gonna lie <laughs> sick so we number one we had um gurdasman jagderena true school remix gotta make that clear yeah, yeah. and then second one malkeet singh and number three yeah the prophecy Ginnajir. and Wicked. don't forget the one that didn't make it no, yeah, the one I mean, that didn't make it. We're talking about it now. We can't. We can't ignore it. Like it wasn't there. I think. You know what? I think it needs to have a little bit that that means our part two. And you know what? I was. Uh, is it Amivert's uh, Instagram today or yesterday? He yeah, did a cover yeah. of Mirza, and oh my god, what what a song! What a cover! What an original from Punjabi MC. I'm kind of good. It didn't make it. Kind of good. It's sweet. Oh, don't say that to me now. Come on. This is a great. This is a great three plus one Pete. Yeah, three plus one Pete. That's what we're gonna call it now. The three plus one Pete. Absolutely, absolutely. So this is Harpsy's three plus one Pete. It has to be on there. Like it. What a tune! You you cut it. We didn't cut it. You're the one who said it didn't make it. Like, you take you the responsibility like, for that. We took it off the list. <laughs> well, I've got to put the blame on someone. <laughs> nah, yeah, that's true. That's true. This is the part of the show where we ask, are you roots or rhymes? Okay, so final question, Harps. <laughs> yeah. Of the show, we ask everybody the same thing, and it's completely up to you how you want to answer. But the question is, are you roots or rhymes? The thing is, right, I feel like I've really, really strongly told everyone how much I love my roots uh, I'm going to be that really annoying person I know how annoying this is in interviews when somebody can't answer the bloody question <laughs> but I'm going to be that person right it's Go got to be a bit of both it's got to be a bit of both because roots are your roots man and Absolutely. you can't get away from that old school vibe I, I'm still all about that folk desi sound I love it but I do have a lot of love and appreciation for a lot of the new stuff that's going on as well, man. I like this whole new West Coast vibe. I'm actually, I do actually like it. Yeah. Um, I, I can't hit, can't, a bit of both, please. Okay. Just because you said please, right? Yeah. <laughs> you can have a bit of both. <laughs> no, that's wicked. You know what? To be fair, this, this is the kind of vibe that we've been getting from all the guests on the show uh, up until now. And you know what? It's the basis of the podcast as well. It's showing how people like us, British Asians, have kind of grown up and we do understand our roots and we do have influences from the rhyme side of thing. And it's almost like brought us to where we are right now and the people that we are now. So last thing, Harps, so let the people know what you've got going on. This is your opportunity to plug what's happening with you. Okay, so um, obviously, if you've got nothing else better to do so early in the morning, you need to be listening to the Breakfast on the Asian Network. I start from 7 a.m. up until 10. 
that I can keep you company for a good three hours. Obviously, we're playing all the tunes, fun and games, joining here and there. Um, a lot of you may know that I have been doing a Saturday morning kids TV show, which currently is on hold. So I would have loved to upload that right now, but watch this space when things get a little bit easier and we're allowed to do something. Then we're going to be back on it, man. So I will be back on that screen very, very soon. But for now, carry on supporting. Thank you very much for watching and listening. Um, and thank you to every single one that's been there from the beginning of my journey, man. Because without you, there's not really much of me. So thanks. And thanks, lads. It's been a pleasure. Wicked. No, it's been <laughs> great having you on the show, Harps. Really appreciate it. It's been great conversation, reminiscent about the old days as well. And, and good luck with everything that you're doing. The UK is on red alert. As part of our commitment to the British Asian events industry, we're campaigning with We Make Events to help raise vital funds for those who can no longer work as a result of live events being cancelled due to the COVID-19 pandemic. You can help by donating using the link in the description of this podcast, because together we can help make events again.